Today on Blue 58, we have a chance to take an in-depth look at the Packers' next opponent. The Minnesota Vikings are coming to Lambeau Field on Sunday. Who's going to win? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. And I love doing those preview episodes. We're doing, like I said last week, a little bit different than last year. We're just going to walk through the preview piece that we've written for thepowersweep.com, give a little bit of perspective on the things that we talk about in the piece, and hopefully build on it a little bit as well. If you don't have a chance to read the preview piece, this will be a good way to walk yourself through it. If you do want to read that, you can read it at thepowersweep.com. It should give you a little bit more in-depth look at what we're talking about. So these two things should complement each other. The Minnesota Vikings, they're coming to Lambeau Field 1-0 after a pretty convincing win over the Atlanta Falcons. Last week, I had an opportunity to watch a, a lot of NFL football, more even than I think I anticipated having the chance to watch. One of the games that I got to see was the Falcons taking on the Vikings in Minnesota. Now, I thought Minnesota was going to win this game. They typically are pretty solid at home, and that proved to be the case. What I didn't expect is them doing it quite as handily as they did. If there was an overall league-wide narrative about rushed being a factor for these teams that didn't play a lot of their starters in the preseason, well, the Vikings didn't get that memo. They played their starters probably more than most in the preseason, but still not all that much, and they didn't look rusty at all. They were ready to go. Dalvin Cook was really good, ran for 111 yards on just 21 carries, uh, scored two touchdowns. Kirk Cousins only had to throw 10 passes in this one. It was a, a dominating effort by the Vikings. The Falcons, yeah, they may have turned out to just not be that good, but I think they would have thought they were better than the, the 28-12 final score would indicate. And let's be real, that 28-12 final score was not a true reflection of how close that game actually was. The Vikings were leagues ahead of the Falcons throughout that entire game. And now they come to Lambeau Field to face a Packers team that had its own exciting Week 1 win, but for a different reason. I don't think the Packers were by and large expected to win, though our listeners did predict a Packers win going you know, contrary to what I predicted. Good for them. They were correct. The Packers come out with an exciting win in Chicago, albeit a little bit sloppy. Sloppy to the point that I'm not sure how much we could take away from it. That's what I said at the time. I still kind of think that it's going to be a couple weeks before we get a true look at who the Packers are in 2019. But this game is going to be a good opportunity to see what sort of team they are. Because despite what the stats may say, this looks like a pretty even matchup. Looking at the team stats, as we've decided to do each and every week, nothing really jumps out except for a significant difference uh, between the Packers and the Vikings in terms of their offensive output. We expected the Vikings to be good on defense. They are solid. In Pro Football's DVOA number, they're 11th in the league. But their offense is 17th, probably a little bit lower than they expected and the rest of us too, but significantly higher than the Packers. Even accounting for opponents, the Packers rank 27th in the league in that number from Pro Football Outsiders, or Football Outsiders, excuse me. The Vikings, 10 points ahead of them at 17th, just a smidgen below average in their total output. It's early, but that is somewhat interesting, although you should take this with a significant grain of salt given how early in the season this is. You do have some questions about this too. As we write in the piece at thepowersweep.com, how much stock can you really put into this number that's kind of all on one week? Was it more impressive for the Vikings to really hammer the Falcons or for the Packers to squeak one out on defense? Um, 
against Mitchell Trubisky. The Packers ended up with a much higher ranking in their DVOA number than the Vikings. Is that fool's gold or is that a legit reflection of what they did in week one? It's supposed to have some, take some account, take into account a little bit um, what your opponent is and what they've done, though not so much early in the season. In fact, that won't be factored in for a couple more weeks in, in Football Outsiders numbers. So it could be that these things are entirely off base. Let's just wait and see uh, what actually ends up being true. And we'll get an opportunity to find out what's true um, this week. Even more confusing, perhaps, is the numbers for Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers. Both of these guys, you have reason to correct their stats a little bit. Cousins, uh, boy, he had an easy day at the office last week. Just 10 pass attempts, and he completes eight of them for 98 yards and a touchdown. A cool passer rating of 140.8. Not a bad day. Pretty impressive statistically, but again, he didn't have to do all that much. On the flip side, you've got Aaron Rodgers, who from the stats, it looks like he at least tried to do a lot, but didn't produce all that much. 18 of 30 passing for 203 yards and a touchdown. But he faced a statistically, at least, much better Bears defense. The Bears were thought to be one of the top defenses in the league coming into this this season, and they, they showed that on Thursday, they looked really good again. And of course, the Packers were out of sync a little bit on offense too. So which which do you believe? Was Aaron Rodgers underachieving because he's washed up and just isn't as good anymore? Or was he just going against a really, really tough defense and we should look at his numbers that way? I'm not sure. I don't have a good answer. I think it's more likely that there is um, statistical noise coming in the form of facing a really good defense in week one when you haven't played a whole lot in the preseason, but it's hard to get that into a box score. And that's what we're left with here. Aaron Rodgers just looks like he has pretty abysmal stats so far this season. Returning to the Vikings defense, uh, the player I highlighted as one to watch on Minnesota's squad is uh, Daniil Hunter, a former third round pick of the Vikings. He was taken 88th overall in 2015. Daniil Hunter is probably their most ferocious individual pass rusher. He notched his 41st career sack on Sunday against the Falcons. Entering his age 25 season, he had 40 previously, 14 and a half in 2018 alone. That's quite a total. He's been a little bit up and down. He's been from single digits to double digits to single digits to double digits in the four years prior to this one. But generally, he's been pretty productive. And I wrote in the piece that that should be some encouragement to Packers fans concerned about Rashawn Gary's production. Let's talk about why that is. So at the power sweep, we use a metric on occasion called production ratio. Basically, well, not even basically, explicitly, that is the number of sacks and tackles for loss that a guy produces divided by the number of games that he plays. A good player at the college level should produce about one, a production ratio of about one. So he's producing one sack or tackle for loss per game that he plays. An elite level player will be closer to two or two and a half. They're really blowing up their competition at the college level. Daniil Hunter has been great in the NFL, but in college football, when he was playing at LSU, he was not super great. Even though he was an overwhelming athlete, even though it seems like he probably should have been sacking quarterbacks left, right, and center, he really wasn't. In 38 college games, Daniil Hunter managed just four and a half sacks, 
and 21 tackles for loss. That is a production ratio of .67, significantly below the level that we'd expect for a player of his caliber. Even a guy getting drafted in the third round should probably have a production ratio significantly higher than that. But in the NFL, he's produced 41 sacks and 52 tackles for a loss in 63 career games. That's a production ratio of 1.47. And at the NFL level, anything within spitting distance of one and a half is is elite or better than that even. So he's he's really transformed himself from an unproductive college player into a productive pro. That's not something that you see a whole lot when you look at this number. Generally, guys that are productive in the pros go on to be fairly productive at the NFL level, if slightly less productive than they were in college. Hunter has gone exactly the opposite direction. He was not super productive in college, but he's become extremely productive in the NFL. That should be a testament to both him and the Vikings coaching staff. They've gotten the absolute most out of this guy, and he's gotten the absolute most out of himself. That's a big win for the Packers, for, not for the Packers, for the Vikings. Great draft pick there, high value in the third round, and they've even gotten a relative deal uh, in signing him to the, the most recent extension that he signed. So good moves all around for them. Now, Rashawn Gary actually was more productive in college than Daniil Hunter was. And like Hunter, he's a very, very good athlete. In 34 college games, Gary produced 23 tackles for loss and nine and a half sacks. That's a production ratio of 0.96. Not the best, but not too far off that level that we're looking for from a player that we're, we're considering to be relatively productive in college. The problem is, of the, let's see, four, eight, 12, 13 players selected in the first round, and I, this is referencing a piece that I wrote way back right after the NFL draft, of the 13 or so players, the dozen or so players taken in the first round of the NFL draft who, consi- who could con- be considered uh, pass rushers of any type, so defensive linemen, outside linebackers, you get the idea. He, his was the third worst. Only Jerry Tillery and Dexter Lawrence had production ratios worse than him. They were the only three, Gary, Tillery, and Lawrence, who had production ratios of less than one. Everyone else taken in the first round was at 1.03 or higher. And Ed Oliver and Montez Sweat, two guys that a lot of people would love to have seen in, in Green Bay, were above two. I, in particular, advocated for the selection of Montez Sweat. But as Hunter shows elite athletes can still become productive pass rushers in the pros. Perhaps something that is that is something that is in the cards yet for Rashawn Gary. He's going to need to play more than six snaps if he intends to get that far, though. And uh, presumably he will get a chance to do that in Sunday's game. What happened the last time the Packers and Vikings played? We'll have to rewind the clock back to November 25th, 2018. At the time, I called this the last stand of Mike McCarthy. did a long-winded Lord of the Rings reference in my my introductory podcast or in my my preview podcast to that, talking about how in that movie, in in the books as well, uh, faced with certain destruction at Helm's Deep, Aragorn encourages uh, Theoden, King of Rohan, to ride out and meet his opponents. We're going to go down swinging, is what he says, in short. That's what I asked for from the Packers in what I thought could be Mike McCarthy's last game as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. As it turns out, 
they did come out swinging. They did pretty well in the early going against the Vikings, led 14-7 in the second quarter, as a matter of fact. But after halftime, the Vikings took over. They scored 10 in the third, and even though the Packers scored three in the fourth quarter, it really didn't matter. 24-17, your final score. And I'd forgotten I wrote this down. I don't know if I said it in the podcast because I don't don't have the audio pulled up. But uh, in my What Happens Next portion of the recap podcast, I actually wrote these words. The Packers can have a going-away party for Mike McCarthy next week because the next week they were going to face the Arizona Cardinals at Lambeau Field. I believe my thinking at the time was they could have a party for Mike McCarthy in the form of beating up on the Arizona Cardinals on the way to a season that would end with Mike McCarthy being fired. I did not anticipate him being fired in season last year. And as it turned out, that Cardinals game was his last game in Green Bay. And it wasn't a party for Mike McCarthy or the Packers. They ultimately lose to the Arizona Cardinals. This was the last step before that final loss. So who's going to win this one? I think this comes down to two important matchups. Devontae Adams against the Minnesota Vikings secondary. And the Vikings offensive line against the Packers pass rush. Devontae Adams is going to have a battle on Sunday. It's going to be a little bit of an easier battle because the the Vikings secondary, though still very good, is probably going to be uh, without Mackenzie Alexander, who's dislocated his elbow. That sounds extremely painful. He's going to have to do most of his work against Xavier Rhodes, though, who has had a lot of success against Devontae Adams in the past. Not so much lately. Adams has been quite a bit more productive against Rhodes in the Vikings secondary in their last few games, but he's still pretty darn good. And the Vikings did a pretty good job last week of shutting down Julio Jones. They shut down most of the rest of the Falcons too, but Julio Jones in particular did not do a lot against Xavier Rhodes. Now again, Adams has had success against Rhodes in the past, but if they can slow down Adams, that could put a big crimp in the Packers passing game and the Packers are going to need someone else to step up. We're still wondering who that could be. Maybe it's Jimmy Graham. Maybe it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Maybe it's Geronimo Allison. Maybe it's somebody else entirely. Who knows? Maybe this is the game Trevor Davis finally goes off against somebody. That is a key matchup to watch. The second matchup is the Vikings offensive line against the Packers pass rush. The Vikings have tried to remake their offensive line just about every year since like, what, 2012 or so? Since like Matt Burke retired or something like that. They've been trying to get this offensive line thing figured out and they just haven't been able to do it. They drafted offensive line help early in the 2019 NFL draft, but it still could be a little bit of a weak spot, especially if the Packers can rush the passer like they did last week against the Bears. If the Packers can overwhelm the Vikings offensive line and put pressure on Kirk Cousins, assuming that they're not able to run the ball like they could against the Falcons last week, that could be another big feather in the Packers cap, especially given the presence of two outstanding wide receivers on the Vikings roster in the form of Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. If the Packers can get pressure quickly, those guys can be at least in part neutralized, especially if the Packers secondary plays well. If the Packers can win both of those matchups, I think that they will win on Sunday. And I believe that they will win those matchups and come out victorious. Put me down for a Packers win. Packers 24, Vikings 20. A lot of you are agreeing with me as well in our weekly Twitter poll. Now, these are not the final numbers. I'm having to record this a little bit early because I'm going to be busy on Thursday. So it's actually Wednesday night as I'm recording this. So the poll results are not final. There will be the the final results will be in the final a blog post about this 
about this game, uh, which you'll be able to read Thursday or Friday at thepowersweep.com. But currently, 81% of voters believe the Packers will beat the Vikings on Sunday. That's even more confident than people were about the win over the Bears last week. Elsewhere in the poll, we do have some movement. Uh, Matt LaFleur is now above 50% in his approval rating. Still 45% have a neutral opinion on Matt LaFleur, but that is a step up from where he was last week. On defense, though, bit of a different story. Almost unanimous in favor of Mike Pettin. 98% of the voters who have responded so far say they approve of the job Mike Pettin has done as the defensive coordinator so far this season. That's pretty stellar. Hard to get better than 98%. We'll keep an eye on these week in and week out as we go through the rest of the season. One last thought. Thought this was interesting. As the Vikings broke camp, they released a 53-man roster with just four wide receivers on it. They've since added a fifth in the form of Josh Doxson. But that's interesting in that it's significantly different from what the Packers did. And I think looking at differences in roster construction can tell you a lot about different teams. The Packers clearly like an abundance of wide receivers. They haven't found ones that are as good top to bottom as Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. They've got one in the form of Adams, but not another. Not yet, at least. The Vikings think they can get by with a minimum of wide receivers. The Packers are looking for volume. They kept six on their initial 53-man roster, and they have since added a seventh. Seven wide receivers is a lot, and it shows a pretty significant philosophical difference in roster construction between the Packers and the Vikings. What difference will that have on Sunday? Hard to say for sure, but we'll see in part when both teams take the field Sunday at Lambeau Field. So I've got for you on this episode. Hope you enjoyed the preview. Check out the full piece at thepowersweep.com. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter as well as we lead up to the game. Gary's going to be dumping a whole bunch of interesting nuggets from this preview and the work that he's doing as well. Check it out. Give it a read. Give us a retweet, a, a like, whatever on the social media network of your choice. It helps more people find the stuff that we do and in turn helps us spread the word uh, about the fine work that we are doing, at least the fine work I think we're doing at thepowersweep.com. And further, it helps us accomplish our mission of helping everybody become a smarter Packers fan. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you after the game next time on Blue 58.